0: This podcast is sponsored by Speakerbox Media, where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over
1: to speakerboxmedia.com. He took a look at me, he's like, I have to admit you to the hospital. You know, they did a bunch of tests and I needed surgery, but they're like, your lungs aren't healthy enough to get through surgery. So your only option at this point now is a double lung transplant. And I was like, what? Welcome to
0: the B2B Growth Hacks podcast, the show that helps entrepreneurs like you unlock opportunities for growth in business. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, and this is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of B2B Growth Hacks. I am so excited for today's conversation. We are in our Resilience series and today I have a treat for you. I have Kara Jensen, the creative principal at BOP Design here with us to talk through some Crazy cool things related to resilience, and in her experience, how she's become a resilient leader, a resilient person, and has built a business that's extremely resilient. So, Carol, welcome to B2B Growth Hacks. Thanks for having me. Of course, I'm so excited. So, I'm going to jump right in. First, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and
1: Bop Design. Sure. Well, I'm uh, the co founder and creative principal at Bop Design. Uh, we're a boutique B2B digital marketing agency. We're our headquarters in San Diego, but we work with businesses all over the world. And my role at the company is to really work with our creative and tech teams to build beautiful websites that are lead generating and high impact content marketing programs. We started the company in 2009. Uh, we have a slow growth model and you know, I really enjoy building an amazing team and honing our client service delivery.
0: Yeah, so I'm so excited to kind of jump into some of the exciting things we've talked about related to your leadership and how you've helped build a resilient team over at Bob Design but I want to kind of start with talking through being a leader in general. I think we all have a concept of what it's like to be a leader and what we think it is to run a company but then you get into it and you realize that there's so much more that you can never anticipate. So tell me a little bit about your personal leadership style and some of the struggles um, that you've had as a leader.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's that uh, saying it's lonely at the top. And, you know, as a leader, you always have, you know, whether you're, you know, leading a company, or you're, you just have like, a, you're, you're within a bigger organization, and you're just like leading a team, you're, that team looks to you, you know, and uh, it looks to you for strength and stability and being decisive and being competent. And that can be a lot of pressure. So and and a lot of times you don't have other people within an organization you know especially if you're a small business owner you know you may be the the sole leader the you know you don't you may not even have a business partner so when i started bob design one of my key things was to you know really build a support network you know having trusted advisors doing peer to peer learning you know business partners you have a sounding board so you're not you know making decisions in a silo. And I felt like, you know, prior to starting Bob Design, I worked with some really good leaders. And I worked with some people who weren't good leaders. And, you know, what are some of those qualities that make somebody a good leader? And, you know, I kind of mentioned it, like being decisive, being perceived as competent, being stable, not overreacting. And, you know, those were, I looked at those traits as things I wanted to develop in myself as a leader and, um, have kind of done so over, over time. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All of those things resonate with me as well. Having a small company, wearing multiple hats with the changing landscape of everything you deal with day in and day out, not overreacting Mm -hmm. and not allowing yourself to get wrapped up too much um, so that it clouds your judgment and you can't make a decision and move forward. That's been super, super uh, challenging for me, especially with the pandemic. So let's go into that yes. a little bit. Let's uh tell me a little bit about your mentality go, as uh you know as the co-founder and creative principal at BOP and when everything with the pandemic started happening, everything shutting down, tell me a little bit about your headspace then and what your
1: plan moving forward was. How were you planning to navigate it? Sure. It definitely I think I felt like it, you know it's like there's all these whispers about the pandemic, and then all of a sudden it's like shutdowns and you're like, well, your head's spinning, right? I may be panicked, but I can't look panicked in front of my team because that's going to create instability. So like my mentality was definitely to not overreact. That was my first instinct. I'm not saying not like believe everything you're hearing, but also to Be like, okay, what's really happening? What do we have to be worried about? What's in the best interest for the business? What's in the best interest for our team members? And, you know, obviously everybody's physical health was a big priority at first. So we quickly had everybody work from home. Luckily, we kind of had infrastructure set up that it was easy to make that decision. And everybody went home. But then one of the things that kind of started happening was like you started to see we're so used to working together as a team in a small office. And then all of a sudden everyone's in disparate, you know, at home by themselves, you know, they're not even doing the things they normally would do with their families or their friends. So that, that anxiety and being alone and watching too much media or like reading too much, just put people in like a tailspin. So first my priority was everybody's physical health. And then my next thing was everybody's mental health. And I had to be, taking care of myself in order to even like lead the team to do that so you know i just kind of was like patient and shifted my expectations too with the business this is you know not to be overly dramatic but it's like kind of the equivalent of wartime everybody's life is like turned upside down and that we can't expect to have the same outcomes in business or whatever my goals were for 2020 you know i kind of put those on hold and i'm like okay well let's let's just get through this without too much collateral damage.
0: For sure. And I think that's such a a wise thing. And I just want to sit in that for a moment that especially as leaders and companies and employees, we all have goals that we want to meet. We all come into the year Mm -hmm. uh, with some semblance of a plan or things that we want to hit. And I think what the pandemic made us do is one, reevaluate what was important. Two, it caused us to adjust our expectations of ourselves and of others. And three, it, it really tapped into basically our individual needs and desires to adjust to our external environment. We get so used <laughs> to uh, being on autopilot. You know, we get in the car, we get or we get our coffee, we get in the car, we drive somewhere, we unpack, we go check in with our team, and we get used to that routine. And when we're thrust out of that. It really, I think, caused all of us to really evaluate our internal environments and say, "Whoa, wait, wait, okay, what do I actually need?" and and adjust. Mm-hmm. So, in our when I first met you, there was this amazing thing that you told me you did for your team, and I want to share it with our audience because I think it's so powerful, and I have heard nothing like it. So, you mentioned to me that as you're talking about your team and your creatives and how much you thrive in a really collaborative environment, how this isolation and the pandemic really started to affect your team and you noticed it. So tell me a little bit about how you noticed it and what you were feeling and what you were seeing
1: and then how you addressed that. Definitely. Yeah. You hear it. It went from being in person to like being on Zoom all the time. And you start to hear that anxiety, not only in your team members voices, but also kind of in the way they're holding themselves even on camera. The other thing too, is like, you know, we work really closely with our clients. And you can hear the clients panic, you know, a lot of our clients, unfortunately, were, you know, having layoffs, and they're working, they're stretched thin, their budgets were cut. And so that anxiety starts to rub off, you know, when you're working with your clients. It starts to rub off on the team and and you can start to see kind of the the team just getting distracted with like all their emotions and, and, you know, the things that are happening, which is natural. So one of the things that we did that I I decided to do was really, you know, after a while and so everybody started working remotely in March and then by June I could really start to see it and I was like, okay, I got to do something and I decided to hold a, a resilience workshop and really just begin a dialogue with the team about mental health. And by that time I had already developed some things that were working for me and were kind of helping me get through it. And I was like, okay, I need to share this with the team. I was also doing a lot of research and seeing what, you know, other, you know, experts and psychologists are saying about, you know, the situation and put together, you know, just something really simple. It was like five tips. And, but I felt like, like a really good reaction from the team. It was like, thank you for doing this. It made me... And one of the big first messages like, it's normal not to feel normal during this time. Like you said, your day-to-day routine is turned upside down. You have people who are working from home for the first time who all of a sudden have like their kids at home. It's just, it was... You know, your world just turned upside down. And I wanted to hold that workshop and begin that dialogue. And, you know, it's something we continue to, you know, discuss. But uh, it was like really important to getting that team back to performing. My expectations were adjusted, but I also wanted them to start like developing just more a realistic perspective of what's happening. And that, yeah, the media sounds crazy. You know, it sounds like super scary and all this stuff is happening. But sometimes you have to look at like, okay, what's actually happening right now? You know, what's, are you okay? Is your family okay? Um, do you have a roof over your head? Do you have your job? These types of things that, you know, let's kind of take assessment of what's working well right now. And let's address the things that aren't working well. And and that was, the you know, the resilience workshop kind of helped address those mental health and anxiety challenges that I felt like everybody was having.
0: Yeah, I love that. This is one of the most just extraordinary examples of top-down leadership that I've heard about through the pandemic. So first, just I want to commend you for that, for recognizing that in your team and doing something about it. I mean, and, and here's the thing, even, you know, I've talked to some other leaders and friends, and even if you were trying to navigate and you kind of had an idea of how to fix it, just the affirmation that everyone was feeling the same way from top down, I'm sure felt so great for your team. And I can imagine took some weight off of their shoulders. A lot of the time, I don't think Mm -hmm. we realize we're walking around with the weight of so many things on our shoulders and it prevents us from performing. And so if you don't start with your mental Mm -hmm. health, if you don't start with your physical health, if you're not getting good sleep, you're not drinking water, you're not doing these basic things, you cannot perform. And so it starts this self-destructive cycle of really, you know, hindering you. So I love that you took a moment to pause and to address that. And I'm, I'm sure it helped everyone kind of reset. And so I think the entire business landscape is is experiencing this at this point where you have employees who are now used to working from home, you have employees who are used to a flex schedule now. You have businesses that frankly don't even know if they should have offices anymore. There's so many changing mm. factors. So As being a leader and being an entrepreneur and running your business, tell me a little bit about how you're coping with all of these changes and how you're striving to maintain this company
1: culture that is resilient. Employee retention is very important to us. And the reason for that is because I feel like it takes a long time to get people up to speed. And the longer you have somebody on your team, the better they get and the more confident they get and the better uh, service they can provide our clients and overall you know they become better, more confident leaders and it's a better return on your investment right so employee retention has always been like a key aspect of a key goal of my leadership and uh, my business partners as well and one of the ways we do that is like through like the work life balance so even pre pandemic you know i feel like the nice thing about the pandemic is it has created a better work life balance you know people are at home they get to kind of be with their families or take care of their personal things and still address work. But even pre pandemic, work life balance was something, you know, a value that we hold closely. And we always say that Bob Design is a lifestyle business, not just for the owners, but for our employees as well. And I want my team members to take PTO and work a normal day and spend time with their families or do things they love to do and, you know, make a decent living doing that. And that all ends up being, you know, helping retain them. And, you know, it's ultimately, you know, builds more value for our business. But yeah, I guess, how do we do that? And how has that changed with the pandemic? I think the big thing is, you know, we were at one point always like, okay, we want people to be in San Diego. We want people to be in the office. Now everybody is working from home and California is a very expensive place to live. And some of our employees during the pandemic, you know, I was like, I kind of always... I started talking, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know if we'll ever be, all b- will be back in the office. I don't know if I'll ever require anyone to be back in the office, because it seems like some people really do well, work, better working at home, and they seem calmer, they seem like they're getting more work done. And so a few of our team members actually just moved out of state, you know, they just and I, and I was okay, you know, obviously they checked with me and everything. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, I'm like, and now going forward this year, we're looking at developing, you know, two new roles and we're not stuck in this like, oh, they have to be in Southern California. Now we're like, oh, we can recruit from anywhere, you know, anywhere in the country. And so I think it's cool. I, I think it's really, I think this, the pandemic pushed companies to start thinking differently about, you know, what it means to collaborate what it means to have everybody in a physical space. And I'm excited. I'm excited about the future. And I'm really happy for our team members that got to move. And, you know, they have one of them loves animals. They got a big yard. They adopted more dogs. You know, one's living up in Idaho. And it's just, it's great. You can see they're happy. Their families are happy. I'm happy for them. And that just makes them better employees at the end of the day and better team members. So. I think you hit on it and I think that's the big payoff
0: if as leaders and bigger companies we can think about it in terms of if we take care of our employees and our coworkers as people then inevitably they become better performers and if we're all caring mm-hmm. for one another that way then it just creates this extremely positive environment that people want to stay and people want to be a part of it you know and I love what you said about adjusting your expectations and willing to stretch um, to allow people mm-hmm to adjust and perform at a rate as long as they're meeting, you know, meeting expectations. And I think one of the very difficult things about about that I've seen that's challenged leaders is defining those expectations clearly. I sat down with a, a friend of mine who's a great leader. I definitely uh, look up to her and she said, Sarah, I just don't know um, how to make sure that people are working. Like, how are they getting things done? And I'm like, well, did you outline what needed to be done and a deadline? Um, Mm -hmm. because that really, at the end of the day, that's all that should matter. Whether they're doing it in their pajamas or with their dog on their lap really makes no difference. As long as you're getting the outcome and they're still in attendance and you're still able to collaborate and work functionally as a team. And she just looked at me and said, ah, so right. But, but. Being away from each other requires us to now outline, communicate, and do things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So I think all of us had to kind of think differently about how we were addressing our teams, talking to our teams, you know. Getting new tools to allow for better collaboration and maybe I am things like that. So I love it. Love, love love the challenge that it's brought. Uh, not just as a personal, you know, in my personal life, but definitely as a leader and as a
1: business as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the we implemented a new project management software, so there was like more transparency into projects. That was a huge undertaking that we kind of tackled during the pandemic. And I would say one of the biggest challenges I hired to Project managers right before the pandemic started, but they started like at the end of March. So I had to onboard two people remotely, which was a cha- which was a huge challenge because everybody else already met each other and you know everybody already knew each other. We've been working together for years, so you have two new hires, and it's like how do you get them to? Meet and build that camaraderie. And, and so that was something, you know, we've overcome. But yeah, there were challenges for sure. Yeah, I, I <laughs> and now, you know, as we hire, you know, more people, I have a better outline of like, okay, this is what the remote onboarding process looks like. It looks way different than it did when it was in person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have found myself mailing things to people more often now than I have in my <laughs> entire life. I mean, just anything I could do to send tokens of appreciation or reminders of, hey, we're in this together and it we're, it's, it's difficult. Or yeah, sending documents. I, I mean, if it's a bigger file yeah. and it's like you're just having trouble with tech, you know, it's uh, interesting how we revert to some of these things that we kind of have moved past or played out. But yeah, project management has definitely taken, I think, a huge hit and required a lot more creativity and resilience in in this particular time. So as we got to know each other a little bit better, I heard this crazy example of resilience in your personal life. And if you feel great about talking about that, I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit
1: about your personal story of resilience that you've kind of dealt with this past year. Sure. Yeah. So it kind of came out as a surprise, but I ended up getting a double lung transplant in March. And I always, I've dealt with respiratory problems since I was a child. Since I was about five years old, I got a virus scarred up about fifty percent of my lungs, and I was always very prone to getting infections. And um, you know, didn't have the lung capacity somebody my age would. have. I had a, maybe a third of the lung capacity somebody my age had. I knew at some point. That I would have to get a lung transplant, but back in February, I was having more symptoms than normal. I went to the my pulmonologist for a checkup. He's like, "I want to see you in person," and you know, I hadn't seen any doctor in person for like a year because of the, the pandemic. You know, we did everything via you know Zoom, and um, he took a look at me. He's like, "I have to admit you to the hospital." I ended up having you know, they did a bunch of tests. And I needed surgery, but they're like, your lungs aren't healthy enough to get through surgery. So your only option at this point now is a double lung transplant. And I was like, what? You know, I mean, I, like I said, I knew at some point I'd have to get it, but I figured it'd be like five or 10 years out. It definitely like came as a surprise. And I ended up being out for four months out of the business. I got evaluated for a lung transplant on the list. Had the double lung transplant, recovered, had some complications, recovered again, and all within like four months. And the time was both miraculous and nightmarish. So it was definitely the hardest time I've ever experienced. But one of the things I did was, you know, I kept my eye on the horizon. Their whole thing was like, oh, you're a perfect candidate for a lung transplant. It's going to be huge, you know, quality of life improvement. Prior to having my lung transplant, I was actually using oxygen like twenty four seven for the last few years. So it was definitely, you know, a big there's a lot to gain out of it. And um they're like, oh you'd essentially, you know, once your lung seal, you'd be unlimited. And I was so limited with what I could do beforehand versus what I could do what I can do actually even now four months after the surgery. And it'll just get better. But anyway, it was a uh, oh man. <laughs> it was a whirlwind. And uh like I said, it was both miraculous and nightmarish. But uh, during that time, you know, I talked to another transplant patient before and she's like, one of the things that got me through it was just at points assessing and being like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Even though there's a lot of anxiety and you're in the hospital and you're connected to all these machines and you're in pain. She was like, I'm okay. You know, I have experts. I have like literally the best team around me. They know what they're doing. Not to get like so caught up in like your just emotions, but like what's actually happening now. It was really good advice, and I kept just telling myself and telling my family around me. I'm like, keep your eye on the horizon. Right? It's not about like what's happening right now. It's about what's happening, what it's going to be like in four months, six months, a year, ten years. So it was, it was crazy. But you come out the other side feeling super empowered. Just you're like, if I can get through that. It makes everything else seem easy, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I have chills just
0: listening to that because I cannot imagine how scary and unsure and just all of that happening so fast. And then of course, having had surgery before, I can't imagine how difficult a recovery would have been. So the fact that in the midst of that, you were able to recenter and um, find community that allowed you to get through it is super amazing. And I think what you're hitting on here is something that all of us could have, um, could kind of use a reminder in, and that's maintaining perspective. So in these difficult times, and whether it's a pandemic, whether you're having a double lung transplant, or whether you're dealing with a different, you know, business or legal challenge, I think it calls us to maintain perspective.
1: That healthy perspective, I feel like it just requires discipline. And it's it's something everybody can tap into. It's like, I look at it, it's like building a muscle you know, building muscle. It doesn't happen overnight. And if you look at everything that happens to you in life and in business, you can look at it as a positive or negative. Even when there's bad times, there's so much to learn from it. And when there's good times, you know, there is stuff to learn from it and you should sit back and, you know, appreciate it. But there's a lot of things in life you can't control. And there's stuff in business you can't control. You do your best as a leader, as a business owner. But the one thing you can control is how you react to situations and like i said you can look at it from a negative perspective or a positive perspective and and that's a choice and you can see there's people who habitually think negative and then all this bad stuff happens to them but part of that is like you're kind of instigating you know you're looking for the negativity as opposed to being like hey that didn't turn out the way i wanted to but what did i learn from it and that's the thing when i see people you know go through a hard time and not learn something from it or, you know, whether yeah, it's in business or life, it's like you just take something out of it and then you can see the positive in it. (laughs) But, you know, it's easy, it's easy to get caught up. I, you know, I understand it's, and we're bombarded with like information and you're going to, I know I've said this a couple of times. One of my personal things I do is I'm very particular about the amount of social media I consume the amount of news I consume, because the media is incentivized to breed fear, to breed insecurity, to breed, because if it bleeds the leads, if it, if companies make you feel insecure about yourself or what's happening, you're going to be able to sell more products. Same with the news, they can sell more TV time or magazines or newspapers if you're scared, because they're like, oh, I'm scared. I need to do something about it. And it just creates a cycle. It's like the cycle of Negativity. And so that's kind of like one of my things that I try and I try and like step back from and like, okay, I, there are certain things I consume as much as I need to, and to feel, you know, knowledgeable, but it's like a media diet. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also oh, like absolutely. a negative people diet, too. <laughs> Hello.
0: Yes. Hey, it's an important point to stop and hit on here is that I think especially with the pandemic and, and things we had an election, we had a lot of political issues come up at a time that we were all under the most stress we had ever been in. And for me, honestly, I did exactly what you did. I had a media diet. I unfollowed every single thing that I had maybe in my past or news outlets that were just spewing things rooted in fear and divisiveness. And I'm not necessarily saying, you know, things that I didn't agree with, but things that were doing it in a very negative way, because it's yeah. it almost has that trickle down effect. It's like it's happened to all of us. Like you're running late and you're in an urgent mood and you're having a bit be- and then you're in traffic and you're screaming at people around you and then you walk into the office and you stub your toe and you spill your coffee. I don't know if people recognize that the negativity is, is spilling down from the very first thing you did, which was wake up with a negative mentality or this rushed mentality and it just trickles down. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same with what we consume. It's really, it really distracts your mind and doesn't allow you to sit in a here and now space and to really be in a space of growth gratitude coming into the day so that everything that pours out of you that day stays in this realm of positivity and moving
1: forward, even if you hit a roadblock. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's being present and being, you know, just having a healthy perspective and not being overreactive and and just assessing what's actually happening (laughs) as opposed to, I, I think, like you said, you know, your negative thoughts. if you wake up with a negative thought and that can like breed, you know, more negativity. It's same with like, if you wake up with, you know, a gratitude or even, you know, a positive thought, like positivity breeds positivity. And obviously you don't want to be this like, everything's amazing and like have your head in the sand, but just having an honest assessment of of yourself, of your team, of what's happening around you and being grateful for the things that are working well.
0: Yeah. And to what you just said, I think having an honest assessment is the key there. Like you said, it's not living in this realm of everything as flowers and butterflies, but it's, it's keeping your mind in at homeostasis at a stable place where you can have an honest perspective on what's happening around you. And that has become a daily practice of mine because I am a planner. I have four routes for everything and you just simply can't control everything. And so what I found has been the most helpful during this time where you feel like you're being jerked back and forth um, as a leader and just in my personal life is, is taking a moment and really sitting down and saying what is true. What's true right now? Mm -hmm. What's the worst that can happen? And really, honestly, living through in my mind what I think the worst is going to happen. And it's just allowed me to have this mental clarity that allows me to have an honest perspective on what's happening and not be so reactive. Not even allow my body to get to the point to where it's reacting and in turn affecting my team, affecting my decisions, affecting the people around me Mm -hmm. negatively. And I know that a lot of people think kind of, you know, like gratitude and self-care is kind of this foo-foo concept. But I really think that when we apply it first to ourselves, that it just has such a exponential impact on everything, our our business, on our relationships. So tell me a little bit about your personal self-care practices and how it impacts your life. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm a huge self-help person, self-care person. And I mean, I look at it as you really need to be on top of, you need to be the number one person on your list. And I know that sounds selfish, but if you care for your mental and physical health, then you can be a better leader. You can be a better spouse. You could be a better parent. You can be a good friend, a neighbor, a business owner, whatever it is. I mean, whatever your role is in life if you don't take care of yourself how are you going to be able to take care of other people so if you genuinely care about those around you and those people that depend on your leadership you need like you don't really have another option except to take care of yourself and you know i think you know as far as like my personal like practice i'm a big i started learning a transcendental meditation uh, about 6 years ago we sent a lot of our we offer it to all our team members who want to go you know we don't force it of course but you know there's training sessions for that and, and a lot of people have taken up on it and they they feel a lot more clear-headed and stressed you know less stressed after you know kind of implementing that in their daily practice the other thing is like you know eating healthy i mean i've made this mistake in the past too is like being a business owner you get like obsessed with the business you start working like 10 12 hours a day and you just burn out when you look at like running a sustainable business you have to be able to sustain yourself Really, being realistic about how much you can handle during a day, so that you have time to work out, relax, spend time with your family, and just taking a balanced approach to life. I think one of the things that again goes back to having that healthy perspective, and, and like you said, planning. If you have a healthy perspective on like what actually you know needs to be done and what's important, then you can you know plan for all this stuff. I think you look at I had a business coach. Early on when we started Bob Design, he's like, everybody has 24, the same 24 hours in a day. And the most successful people spend their time wisely. They block their time and the way they balance their lives out is, you know, ultimately what makes them successful in the end. So... Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think that is the key to being resilient, is building a sustainable lifestyle, a sustainable business, sustainable goals. And they are all interconnected. We are physical, you know, spiritual and, and, and mental beings, and, and we we have needs at the root of who we are. And the only way to continue to build and grow and, and push the ante is to have a balanced life. I know this idea mm-hmm. of work-life balance seems so far fetch sometimes, but it really, I think, is the only way. If you want to be around long enough. And I think that is the key to resilience is sustainability and building that into every aspect of your life, whether it's your diet, whether it's your sales goals, whether it's um, your business strategy. I mean, it all trickles in together, but it's rooted in that. It's rooted in, uh, if you want to be resilient as a business, then you have to start thinking long-term. And Mm -hmm. long-term, most of the things that I, I found myself doing it at one point in my life. Were simply not sustainable.
1: Definitely, yeah. It's such a common mistake, and and sometimes people have to learn the hard way. But hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, hopefully you have a, a business coach or a mentor or great resources like this one. That this conversation that can help open your perspective to different ways. One, just so you know that you're not alone; that we're, everyone is dealing with this in some form or facet. And two, that there are resources out there for you to to help build a more sustainable lifestyle and education out there for you. So we are kind of uh, at the end of our time here, but I do as much as I want this to. Go on forever. I do want to <laughs> give you an opportunity to. What's one thought? One final thought that you have for our audience in relation to business and you know your experience um, leading such a successful company.
1: Yeah, I think you know the one takeaway. If I out of this conversation, the one piece of advice I could I want to I'd like to leave people with is really just reminding them that being becoming a resilient leader individual building a resilient company comes down to habit it comes down to you know discipline and developing the habit of like having a healthy perspective and i think that's the biggest thing it t- everything we talked about today really ties into that that it's you know this isn't something that's going to happen overnight if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed overreacting You know, being like, oh, I can't believe I said that to my team or start with just a simple habit of, you know, maybe a gratitude practice in the morning or, you know, just making an honest assessment of what's actually happening. And over time, that habit, that discipline of thinking will really become second nature. And then you'll have a healthier perspective and then you'll become a more resilient leader. So yeah. I love it. Love it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So
0: such a rich conversation today, Carol. But where? tell our team, our audience here and our team,
1: where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Sure. Probably the best way to connect with me is on a LinkedIn. So um, just look at Bob Design. My name is Carol Jensen, creative principal of Bob Design. So that's a great way to connect with me. Um, and of course, you can um, check out BobDesign.com too. And uh, my information's there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on B2B Growth Hacks, Kara.
0: This has been so rewarding. Um, For our audience, please make sure you go over to LinkedIn, find Kara, find Bop Design. You'll see all the amazing things they're working on and there's some great information and resources there for you. Kara, thank you so much for your time and for sharing today. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to know how to get involved and share your story, head over to our website at b2bgrowthhacks.com. Also, while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest conversations happening here on B2B Growth Hacks. This podcast is sponsored by Speakerbox Media where we hand-build podcasts just like this one to create online communities for brands like yours. If you'd like to learn more, head over to speakerboxmedia.com.